0: Well, i got to tell you, I was trying this week to decide what I was going to name this sermon. And I had the hardest time. I knew it was Ascension Sunday, so I was going through a list of titles that might work with the Ascension Sunday theme. Well, I kept coming up with a blank. I just happened to hear an interview or some news story or something with Gary Coleman in it. And I realized that I would have to call my sermon, What You Looking At? Now, those of you who are old enough to remember that show, um, he said that as a regular course in that show's plot. I just thought it'd be a good start to today's sermon. Just like the angel in the story of the Ascension asked the disciples, what are you looking up there for? I ask you the same question. What are you looking for? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the words that you've given me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my God, and my creator. Amen. You know, there are times when we see, and there are times when we see. Let me tell you what I mean. Everything changes the morning you see the for sale sign on your neighbor's boat, his deluxe bass boat. The bass boat you've coveted for three summers. All of a sudden, nothing else matters. A gravitational tug pulls your car to the curb. You sigh as you behold your dream glistening in the sun. You run your fingers along the edge, pausing only to wipe the drool from your chin. As you gaze, you're transported to Strawberry Reservoir. And it's just you, the glassy waters, and your new bass boat. Or perhaps the following story better describes you. Everything changes the day you see him enter into the English Lit class. Just enough swagger to be cool, just enough smarts to be classy. Not walking so fast as to be nervous, nor so slow as to be cocky. You've seen him before, but only in your dreams now he's really here and you can't take your eyes off of him by the time class is over you've memorized every curl and lash and by the time the day is over you resolve he's going to be yours there are times when we see and there are times when we see there are times when we observe and there's times when we memorize. There are times when we notice and there are times when we study. Most of us know what it means to see a new boat or a new boy. But do we know what it's like to see Jesus? Do we know what it's like to, as we hear in Hebrews 12, two, fix our eyes on Jesus? What does it mean to be just like Jesus? The world's never known a heart so pure, a character so flawless. His spiritual hearing was so keen that he never missed a heavenly whisper. His mercy so abundant that he never missed a chance to forgive. No lie ever left his lips. No distraction marred his vision. He touched when others recoiled. He endured when others quit. Jesus is the ultimate model for every person And God invites us today to fix our eyes on Jesus. Heaven invites you to set the lens of your heart on the heart of the Savior and make him the object of your life. For that reason, I ask you this one question today. What does it mean to see Jesus? the shepherds can tell us for them it wasn't enough to see the angels you think it would have been night sky shattered with light stillness eru- erupting with song simple shepherds roused from their sleep and raised to their feet by a choir of angels singing glory to god in the highest never had these men seen such splendor but it wasn't enough to see the angels. The shepherds wanted to see the one who had sent the angels. Since they wouldn't be satisfied until they saw him, you can trace the long line of Jesus seekers to a person of the pasture who said in Luke 2.15, let's go, let's see. Not far behind the shepherds was a man named Simeon. Luke tells us Simeon was a good man who served in the temple during the time of Christ's birth. Luke also tells us in chapter 2, 26, Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Christ promised by the Lord. The prophecy was fulfilled only a few days after the shepherds saw Jesus. Somehow Simeon knew that that blanketed bundle wrapped in Mary's arms Was the Almighty God. And for Simeon, seeing Jesus was enough. Now he was ready to die. Some don't want to die until they've seen the whole world. Simeon's dream wasn't so timid. He didn't want to die until he'd seen the Maker of the world. He prayed in Luke chapter 2, verses 29 and 30. God You can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. The Magi had the same desire. Like Simeon, they wanted to see Jesus. Like the shepherds, they weren't satisfied with what they saw in the night sky. Not that the star wasn't spectacular. Not that that star wasn't historical. To be a witness of the blazing orange orb was a privilege, but for the Magi, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to see the light over Bethlehem. They had to see the light of Bethlehem. It was him they came to see. And they succeeded. They all succeeded. More remarkable than their diligence was Jesus' willingness Jesus wanted to be seen. Whether they came from the pasture or the palace, whether they lived in the temple or among the sheep, whether their gift was of gold or on a surprise, they were welcomed. Search for one example of one person who desired to see the infant Jesus and was turned away. You won't find one. You will find examples of those who didn't seek him. Those like King Herod who were content with less. Those like the religious leaders of the time who preferred to read about him than to see him. The ratio between those who missed him and those who sought him is thousands to one. All who sought him found him. Long before the words in Hebrews 11.6, which says God rewards those who truly want to find him. That promise was fulfilled. The fisherman fixes his eyes on the boat. The girl fixes her eyes on the boy. The disciple fixes his eyes on the, on the Savior. That's what Matthew did, too. Matthew, if you remember, was converted at work. According to his resume, he was a revenue consultant for the government. Now, we all know what that means. He was a tax collector. And according to his neighbors, he was a simple crook. He kept a tax booth and a hand extended at the street corner. That's where he was the day he saw Jesus. Follow me, said the master. And Matthew did. And in the very next verse in Matthew 9, 15, we find Jesus sitting at Matthew's dining room table. Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. A curbside conversion couldn't satisfy his heart, so Matthew took Jesus home. Something happens over a dinner table that doesn't happen over an office desk. Take off the tie, heat up the grill, break out the sodas, and spend the evening with the suspender of the stars. You know, Jesus, forgive me for asking, but I've always wanted to know. Again, though the giving of the invitation is impressive, The acceptance is more so. It didn't matter to Jesus that Matthew was a thief. It didn't matter to Jesus that Matthew had built a split-level house with the proceeds of extortion. What did matter was that Matthew wanted to know Jesus. And since God rewards those who truly want to find him, Matthew was rewarded with the presence of Christ in his home. What do we see in each of these stories? They were all earnest in their search. One translation of Hebrews 11.6 says, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Another says, God rewards those who sincerely look for him. And I actually like the King James translation. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently. What a great word. Be diligent in your search. Be hungry in your quest. Relentless in your pilgrimage. Step away from the puny pursuits of passions and positions and seek the king. Don't be satisfied with angels. Don't be content with stars in the sky. Seek him out as the shepherds did. Long for him as Simeon did. Worship him as the wise men did. Risk whatever it takes to see Jesus. God rewards those who seek him. Not those who seek doctrine or religion or systems or creeds. Many settle for lesser passions. But the reward goes to those who settle for nothing less than Jesus himself. And what is the reward? What awaits those who seek Jesus? Nothing short of the heart of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Can you think of a greater gift than to be like Jesus? Christ felt no guilt God wants to banish yours. Jesus had no bad habits. God wants you to be fearless. Jesus had kindness for the diseased and mercy for the rebellious and courage for the challenges. God wants you to have the same. He loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. Are you looking for Jesus? My prayer for each of you today is that you diligently seek him with all of your heart and your mind and your soul.